ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, reptiles, amphibians, mammals, deer, marsupials. marsupials. Sorry, I hate. I always leave out the marsupials. My bad. <laughs> this is your professionals and animal lovers show. I'm actually on location, and uh, I, I've seen some deer in the last couple of days out here in Poconos. I've seen. I saw a red fox yesterday, and um, Val. I I got to tell you. I fell asleep watching a show last night and it's actually a network on it's a samsung network that's all about animals it's like gone wild or wild some live wild live or something like this and it's like i've seen all these animals i never even heard of and it was just it, it's i can't get away from animals anymore it's over <laughs> you i've been indoctrinated i'm in i am so i don't like to be like tribal but i'm certainly in this tribe i'm in a lot of tribes um uh, actually, favorite group of all time is a tribe called Quest, but that has nothing to do with this conversation at all. But the words are coming out of my face, so I let let, let it all happen. Uh, you've come a long way, Tommy Devisa. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> and I want to let you know, I learn all the time from you as well. But when I when we first started talking about this, you were super supportive to come like along with the ride. But now you're talking, spreading the word about you know who people need to call and what feral cat colonies are and puppy mills and you know you are like a giant sponge and my favorite part is that you're spreading this it's like osmosis to your children and that's, yeah. that's my favorite part <laughs> yeah that's that, that's pretty special i mean we, we'll talk maybe about what we did you know what we had going on yesterday but um i, I took a break from my family to run a, run into what we were doing well we we had a Guys, we did a, a really special call night on behalf of what the conversation we're going to have uh, as we go into today. But as I was splitting from my family for an hour and a half or so, uh, one of my boys said to me, he goes, um, where are you going? You're going to work? Oh, oh, it's for that puppy mill thing. He goes, it's to protect the puppies. Do what you got to do, dad. I'll see you in a little while. And yeah. I get emotional. I get like, literally, I feel my state changing because mm. this is the guy, this is the guy that says, Mm. I like your dog. I like your dog. That's that song that I'm talking about. So that's Thomas, um, right? Yeah, 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 yes, it is. Yes. And he loves and that's a whole nother conversation. But he, you know, he was he's totally supportive and he's outraged as we all are about what goes on and what Brian Hackett is going to talk to us about, really explain because you know the benefit of having you know 60 minutes with us and with the guest is we can really get into the definition of what this is all about, defining the problem. And so all the way to addressing what you all who are listening and we all who are speaking can can do to solve this problem um, and, and make an impact on behalf of these animals who, let's just be honest, can't really protect themselves in this regard. Hashtag. Of course uh, not. And they would but, if they could. And I just want to say really quickly that I'm I'm flattered. I'm I'm humbled. And I'm also really excited to have you on, Brian, because um, you are a very uh, impressive caliber of guest and expert. And, um, you know, we're just happy to be able to, to point to experts and say, spread, spread the message. I really believe most people when they go and they do buy a, a, a puppy from a pet store, they believe that they're not getting a puppy mill puppy. So they probably don't know, right? right? They don't know. I didn't, I certainly, I, I certainly really believe that. I certainly didn't know, and Brian's going to teach us about that. But Brian, first, let's invite Brian to say hello. But I have a whole bunch of stuff I want to say about Brian and tell a story about Brian. But Brian, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Valerie, for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, taking the next hour to take a deep dive into uh, how to 
properly and safely and responsibly acquire a pet. And one way to not do it is to go to a puppy mill outlet for sure. Perfect. So we'll address what, because you know what, some people might go, what the heck is a puppy mill? But probably not a lot of our listeners, but if you come new to this, like I was, I didn't know what any of that information actually meant. So I will tell this funny kind of story, like maybe a month or so ago, we're on this show and you know, we were saying, we were talking about this anti-puppy mill bill and I Googled something during the show and somehow by putting in the bill name, I came across the Animal League Defense Fund and I signed up for the newsletter and then I'm getting the newsletter and I re- reply back to the newsletter and I'm like, hey, how are you? Like, we're your professionals and animal lovers show. We're the pals gang, you know, like now we're the pals gang. So I'm like Scooby-Doo, shout out to another favorite dog. But, you know, um, Brian and I then traded voicemails a couple of times, but you know, it was a persistence of, of getting this all together. So before we get into this conversation, I just want to read what we are about. So we're here to amplify the message that we believe that the bond between animal le- 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 ha- ha- lovers, baby, animal lovers is incredibly strong. So we're, we want to underscore the opportunities where you can advocate. We want to help you learn and we want to educate you as well. And that's what we do here. And we are building this network, this compassionate network so that everyone wins especially the animals yes okay good so we we do this through this community the radio show we're doing here and then upcoming the compassion awards coming up uh, this fall on long island so i want to set it up this way brian you know brian has directly led or and or strategically supported numerous campaigns to pass landmark animal protection legislation he's seen over a dozen new animal protection laws to completion in New Jersey, including a comprehensive ban on the use of wild animals in traveling shows and circuses, and the prohibition of the sale and trade of shark fins, criminalizing the possession of animal fighting paraphernalia, stopping pet leasing schemes, reforming dangerous dog laws, and on and on and on. And I don't, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because it isn't important, but that's when you're an animal advocate of Brian's caliber, this is the stuff you're involved with. So Brian, really where we thought it would make the most sense today is start about telling us about your background. What drew you to this work, drew you to the advocacy? How do you get to the Animal League Defense Fund? And then as we did talk about, you know, let's talk about responsible ways to acquire animals. What is a responsible breeder? What the heck is a puppy dog? Like, let's, let's break it down to the fundies, as they say in sports, the fundamentals. So, Brian, as we said, welcome to the show. We want you to be our pal, and I think you will be. Uh, so, so tell us about you. Tell us how you got involved with this type of work. Well, I guess uh, it'd be most efficient to work backwards and uh, give a bit of a Reader's Digest version of that so we can jump right into the um, substance of this important issue that affects hundreds of thousands of innocent uh, animals that are mass produced, whether they be puppies, kittens, or rabbits in these um, mills every year. But currently, uh, I manage legislative affairs for the Animal Legal Defense Fund, and we're the preeminent uh, legal advocacy organization for animals in our country. We work to advance the interests of animals in our legal system. We have uh, components of our organization that work with within the criminal justice system with prosecutors to make sure our animal cruelty laws around the country are properly enforced. We have a litigation team that pursues uh, lawsuits against entities that are abusing animals and or not following the law as it relates to uh, 
the keeping and maintenance of animals uh, in their confines. And in the team that I'm on in our legislative affairs program, we work to either uh, defeat bad legislation that would harm animals, or we work to advance positive legislation, uh, such as the puppy mill pipeline bill uh, in New York State, that would help protect animals uh, on large, large scales. So, Can I ask you a quick question? Um, yes. I know two lawyers that I recently had a great conversation with, and they are both very interested in expanding uh, their involvement with animal advocacy and legislation. Are those good introductions for you? Yeah, uh, it, you know, we, we have a number of ways that uh, attorneys who uh, want to advocate for animals could be involved. For example, ALDF has a pro bono legal network of mm -hmm. attorneys just like that in the various states around the country who step up and are willing to be engaged in, in that capacity to help on, on animal protection issues. So definitely. Uh, and you know, prior to my time with ALDF, uh, where I cover New York State in my legislative portfolio right now at the moment, uh, prior to this, I, I served as the New Jersey State Director for the Humane Society of the United States, uh, another, you know, large national animal protection organization. And in that role, I was um, solely focused on a whole variety of animal protection initiatives in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. As Tommy had uh, referenced, you know, whether it was wildlife or captive animals or extreme hunting, uh, dogs, cats, you know, you name it. We, we worked on a whole variety of, of, of um, legislative initiatives on the local and state level in that capacity. And it was when I started that position about six years ago that I really took a deep dive into this puppy mill issue. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, kind of the rest is history. You know, I worked with a small group of uh, advocates in New Jersey. We called ourselves uh, Team Puppy. And uh, just a small number of people working together, uh, we worked to pass the most number of local retail sales bans in the state of New Jersey. I think we're, we were up to 153 before the pandemic uh, started. Wow. And um, so in a state like New Jersey, where a municipality is allowed to pass a, a binding ordinance prohibiting uh, the sale of the retail sale of mm -hmm. cats, dogs and rabbits in pet stores, that is extremely helpful in yeah. stopping the places where puppy mills can have outlets to sell that cruelty onto unsuspecting consumers in in that area. So yeah. uh, from from day one, uh, I see your cat's tail. I kicked all my cats out of my office because <laughs> if like I didn't, raccoon, right? they'd like be walking all across the desk and pushing the computer. So <laughs> Brian, at some point, Brian, Brian, when you live in a zoo, you can't, <laughs> there's not there's nowhere to put. You know, I get a lot of I get a lot of nonsense for having a lot of kids, but when you have a lot of animals, there's nowhere to put them. They show up on the show. Is that oh. who is that? Phoebe or Buffy or Puffy? That's Phoebe. But Phoebe, what's up, Phoebe? She's, she has to make her caveat. Um, Brian, I want to let you know, we tried to, we, a small group of animal advocates and myself, we actually approached a township on Long Island about passing this comparable legislation a couple of years ago. And we were kind of strung along. I wish I knew you back then because it was 
just a really incredibly frustrating experience. One of the board members um, at that time, he kind of feigned interest and he started spewing, you know, oh, my son has a rescue dog. It's such a great dog. I'm interested in this subject. He never met with us. Then he said he was going to write a letter to the governor, who at the time was Cuomo, which eventually he wrote the most benign, non-substantive letter I've ever written. He said something like, dear Governor Cuomo, we have to do more for shelter animals or, or rescue dogs, some, something like that. And I was like, this has nothing to do with the puppy mill bill. It has nothing to do with passing legislation. So I'm thrilled to hear that New Jersey, you know, has been more cooperative. It was. But in New York, we we have to go about it on the state level, which is where the legislation A4283, sponsored by Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal and Senator Michael Gianaris comes into play because it has to be done on the state level in in New York, and and certainly we 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 tried on the state level in New Jersey and came very close uh, mm-hmm. to that. But unfortunately, at the time, Governor Christie vetoed that uh, that particular bill in New Jersey. But I think uh, mm-hmm. discussing the state level bill in New York this year, mm-hmm. which which we all need to get behind, and I think has a decent chance of of getting through this year, uh, would prohibit any puppy mill outlet in the state of New York from selling uh, animals from these mills. And Mm -hmm. there's roughly 75 or so stores, you know, give or take uh, the exact number, but within the state of New York uh, that uh, source from puppy mills. And so the New York puppy mill pipeline legislation is vital and is key to, to working on and supporting this year in New York. So I'm working on a project right now. I want your opinion on it. And then when we come back, by all means, we're going to dive into it. If you want, we can even role play and I'll be the hired gun lobbyist projecting, you know, my, my premises and you can debunk them. But anyway, um, my that project right fun. now, that would be fun, right? Uh, I, I just thought of that. Um, I'm working on a project right now where I'm gathering the, the list of the Humane Society's um, Horrible 100 and I'm going to compare them to the last three months worth of CVIs, which stands for Certifications of Veterinary Inspections, so that I can show people that these stores are in fact sourcing from not only puppy mills, but some of the worst of the worst. And stores on Long Island have sourced from some of the worst in yes. particular. So yes. there's data on that all over the internet and okay. it's easily findable. Okay. Um, so it's, it's really unfortunate. Yes, it is because they lie about where they come from. We we do have to go to a break. So so okay. Val, when you can you can talk more about that project when we come back. But Brian, let's take us real high level. When we come back. Maybe high level is the wrong word. I, I just want to know what is a puppy mill. Let's define that for people, and then how does that you know get to a pipeline? So how do they you know where are they coming from? And then as you say, Long Island, my hometown. You say one of the worst. Let's discuss that and and really kind of. So let's address the problem or let's expose the problem and go from there. We're going to go to a quick break. This is Professionals and Animal Lovers show. I'm going to share with you the ALDF website uh, while we're at break on Facebook. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. professionals and animal love the show we go live every wednesday from 2 p.m eastern to 3 p.m with us today is brian hackett from the animal league defense fund i still have the website up showing something about puppy mills i'm going to take that back down so you on facebook can see all of us again but just go to aldf.org and maybe brian can point out some important things to see on the website as well but welcome back to the show and brian let's get back right right back into this conversation val if you want to do that whole uh, lobbying role play scenario in a couple of minutes. I'd love to just hear about this pipeline, uh, yeah. excuse me, really just the, what, what is a mill and then how does it, you know, the pipelines that really are the problem. Yeah. Uh, so, so to put this really simply, so what is the puppy mill pipeline? Um, we have first, what is a puppy mill? A puppy mill is a larger scale commercial breeding operation that maximizes and prioritizes profit at the expense of animal welfare, proper breeding, and of course the consumers that eventually purchase uh, improperly bred, often sick puppies that come from these horrible uh, breeding operations. So uh, many of these puppy mills are uh, in you know the Midwest, the South, and so the pipeline refers to when pet puppy mill outlets, which I don't even like to call them pet stores because most pet stores do not sell puppies. Mm -hmm. But when puppy mill, when retail puppy mill outlets in New York state sell those animals, they are, they are sourcing them from these pipe, from these puppy mills. And so that's the puppy mill pipeline from the mill to the outlet, to the retail outlet where consumers can park their car and walk in and see these fluffy puppies and 
they don't see all the steps that that go into the situation from start to the window right right and and so what the what the legislation would do again a assembly bill a4283 sponsored by assembly member linda rosenthal uh what that bill would do simply is prohibit the retail sale of puppies cats and rabbits in these establishments within the state of new york so brian in essence if i don't have an outlet to move my product i don't have a business is that what you're saying like if new york state closes down the outlet the end of the pipeline then if i'm a mill i don't really i can't do this anymore because there's no way for me to make profit yeah that you know stopping the outlets of demand uh, where this cruelty can be foisted upon unsuspecting consumers is one of the ways that you get at uh, the, the, the business, you know, under, uh, uh, you know, line of business for, for these puppy mills. And, and make no mistake about these, these legislative initiatives. We've seen so far California, Maryland, Maine, Illinois, mm-hmm. pass these similar laws. Washington, state of Washington. There's bills pending in other states to mm-hmm. do the same thing. There are hundreds of local retail sales ban ordinances that mm-hmm. exist around the country. So none of this is meant to harm shelters or rescues or responsible breeders or, quite frankly, the entire uh, pet retail industry, which is a, is worldwide a hundred and eighty billion dollar industry. In the United States, it's estimated that uh, consumers are going to spend at the by the end of twenty twenty two, a hundred and ten billion dollars on their on 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 their pets. Just in the U.S. alone. That's just in the U.S. alone. And let's keep in mind, and, and we may be going a little bit, Valerie, into what you wanted to get into with. Um, the, oh, that's okay. the 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 role play of those who um, support the puppy mill outlets in opposing this bill, but the vast majority of pet retailers refuse to sell puppies. That's yeah. just a fact. And so, if you look at the twenty five largest pet retailers in the country, mm-hmm. and on this list of 25, you have a lot of the recognizable chains like PetSmart and Petco, Pet stores like that. Plus, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They have refused to sell puppies for years. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. One being more and more people are realizing the horrific sourcing mm-hmm. that puppy mill outlets use. Mm-hmm. to source these puppies because when when the only business model of of a puppy mill outlet is pretty much just selling puppies and they do nothing else in the pet retail industry business that is profitable mm-hmm. they've got to source from these puppy mills get as many dogs at the cheapest amount possible get them shipped in which is horrific buying of itself with the transport process and then you know they throw them in a you know in a in a cage in front of a window, and unsuspecting consumers walk in and just see a fluffy puppy. 
and they and, fall in love and the next thing you know that puppy is sick and and or dying they rush it to the animal hospitals where they get thousands of dollars in vet bills which may or may not save the puppy and when they try to go back for any kind of recourse oftentimes they're just told it's not their fault and it is what it is mm -hmm. and then the onus goes on to the heartbroken consumer who just suffered fraud as well as a, a horrific loss and most consumers don't know how to take it to the next level they don't know that they should file a complaint with the attorney general's office and get on the phone with the better business bureau and call the press you know what i'm saying it's like the onus is on the consumer and really if you think of anything else out there when you're buying a house if you're buying a car you know we expect transparency and this industry this this commercially bred these puppy mill puppies and kittens and rabbits there is zero transparency and it's riddled with spin doctors who let's make pretend brian let's make pretend i'm i'm a customer uh sorry let's let's yeah i'm a customer you're the pet store owner or employee and i walk in i go oh my god i love this puppy um i just i've heard so many bad things though like do you guys buy from puppy mills well the answer that a consumer will get from a puppy mill retail outlet would be we only source our puppies from usda breeders well yeah. let's discuss that because your listeners you know <laughs> so the the first thing i always say to that is does everybody that have a driver's license does that mean they're a perfect driver does that even mean they're a good driver no, no it does not <laughs> so my my simple message is Sadly, unfortunately, USDA licensure means absolutely nothing. And there's a variety of reasons why it means absolutely nothing. So first off, we estimate and estimates out there are there are roughly 10,000 puppy mills in existence around the country. Less than 3,000 of those are actually licensed breeders with the USDA. Wow. Now, of those licensed breeders, you have so under 3,000, and then, oh, well, a pet store owner says, we only source USDA licensed breeders. Well, let's discuss what USDA licensure really means. Right. The Animal Welfare Act, the Federal Animal Welfare Act, was passed in 19. 66. Since then, and more recently, there have been numerous efforts to petition the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which oversees slaughterhouses and farms and food stamp programs and child nutrition programs. They oversee dozens of and dozens of different massive programs, and they don't have the bandwidth to properly inspect and when they do, they don't have the bandwidth to properly enforce what right. they inspect. Right. And we've seen situations where in the rare instances that a puppy mill, a licensed puppy mill gets inspected and cited and enforcement action, the license is transferred to a family member and they continue to run the same puppy mill with yeah. the same problems. So th it, it's really, and, and after the next commercial break, I'll go into what is allowed 
for these poor animals it's in horrible. a USDA licensed puppy mill. And your listeners, if they don't already know, will be absolutely mortified by what is allowed mm-hmm. by the USDA Minimum licensed standards. breeder regulations. Yeah. Yep. Minimum if, let me just put it this way simply. If you or I kept our dog in the conditions that are allowed by USDA licensure, that qualifies as animal cruelty in many yeah. states. Yeah. That's how bad before. it is. I know. And, and I get so riled up because um, I spent a lot of years in the, in the restaurant business. And um, there was a while where I thought about launching a line of sauces that I even trademarked a name, sexy sauces, whatever. Nice. The point is, <laughs> thank you. Well, anyway, so the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because, um, you know, the standard, if, if you're going to uh, sell food, let's say you like baking or whatever, you can't just bake in your kitchen because you have to actually go to a commercial kitchen or someplace, a place that has to be inspected. You have to have a company, you have to have insurance. And the, normally commercial, the, the standards for anything commercial are higher than if you know uh, it was just something being run from your home. In this case, it's the opposite. The standards for commercially bred animals are lower than for your neighbor next door who's you know, not doing right, the right thing for the animal. It's, it's absurd. I just don't understand how they get away with it. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll Brian, read a list of requirements. You'll be shocked. Let's yeah. do that when we come back. Let, let's say, uh, Brian, you're like a regular on the show. You know, we're taking breaks and everything, man. You totally yeah. get it. So, <laughs> so let's, I'm auditioning uh, let's, for a job. Well, uh, listen, you, you know what? We, we, we'd love to have you. I'll speak for both of us right away. We'd love to have you as a regular correspondent on the show, bringing us this data. Well, there go the pom-poms. The pom-poms are out. <laughs> yeah, I, I said something good. We'd love to have you come back often uh, to, to, to have this conversation, dialogue, especially when we celebrate, you know, 84283 being put into law. We'll talk more about pom-poms that. Pom-poms for everybody. Pom-poms. Everybody gets pom-poms. You get pom-poms. You get pom-poms. You, you remember that Oprah thing? All right. So <laughs> let's take a quick break. <laughs> okay. We are your pals. Right back. <laughs> Howdy. Hey, Joseph Franklin McElroy podcast gateway to the smokies it airs on talkradio.nyc every tuesday night from 6 p.m to 7 every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the great smoky mountains national park and surrounding areas this show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture history and adventure that awaits you in the smokies tune in every tuesday from 6 p.m to 7 on talkradio.nyc passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. So when Valerie came to me with this idea for this radio show, she says, I want to do a show. Oh, go. This is pals. We're back. So Valerie said, I want to do the show. I want, and I said, well, okay, let's do a show. She goes, well, I didn't even tell you what it's about yet. And I said, but I love you. It's all good. Let's just do a show. So that was back in uh, July, August last year. We come on this network, Talk Radio NYC or Dot NYC in September of 2021. And we do three things. As I keep saying to you, we learn, we educate, we advocate. And uh, what an incredible opportunity this is to have Brian Hackett with us today from the Animal Legal Defense Fund. Brian, let's go back and just talk about, we, we left off talking about the USDA and this like um, privilege of a rep, like I get, I'm a USDA blah, blah, blah breeder, right? Like that's what, so you guys did that cute you know role that play. toilet paper in your bathroom? <laughs> that's what that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet paper is probably worth more, especially AKC like papers too. Pandemic. Worth yeah. worth the toilet paper is worth more than AKC papers. Oh God! Uh, so, so let's talk about the standards yeah, yeah, or lack thereof. What exactly are the standards for uh, a USDA uh, commercial um, puppy breeding ground, if you will? Yeah, let's let's go into that. So they don't allow. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, they don't prohibit wire flooring in the in the cages where the dogs are kept so that's horrifically uncomfortable for the dog's feet to be standing on thin chicken wire flooring and for lengths of time um not good they allow those cages to be stacked so basically dogs are defecating peeing all over each other if they're stacked and you know one on top of the other they only require that the enclosure be six inches larger than the body of the dog, which is, I, I, and, and to make it even worse, not only are the cages tiny with wires and stacked, the animals are not required to have any socialization, any routine veterinary care, and they can be kept in those wire crates 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. So think about that. No routine veterinary care required. All that the puppy mill has to have to be USDA licensed is a written, um, what's the expression? Um, a, a written a program of veterinary care. What does that basically mean? If you're not requiring routine examinations, standard vaccinations, it basically means nothing. Um, there is no uh, stipulation or requirement for how often they could breed the, the mom. So they will just breed the mom over and over and over again mm -hmm. until she doesn't produce you know, enough yield, and then they just throw her away. 
there's no stipulation for how the animals that are sick or no longer usable or whatever the case may be need to be humanely dealt with? Nope, not at all. So here's a great uh, opportunity because um, I won't name a name at this particular juncture, but I do know of an assembly person who is has not committed to co-sponsoring and supporting this bill. Her reasoning, her, her rationale, which I have no doubt is regurgitated from a hired gun lobbyist, is that um, this bill will not improve conditions at uh, you know, these commercial breeding facilities. So what would you say to that, Brian? How would you speak to that? Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's extremely deceptive for the puppy mill lobbyist to, to even lead that legislator to believe that. And it's unfortunate, but that's how these people work. It's, mm -hmm. it's, in, it's in these innuendos and deceptive half-truths. And mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, it's really, really despicable. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, New York can't regulate a puppy mill in Iowa. That's not what we're asking New York to do in this bill. Mm -hmm. So for that lobbyist to frame it that way is disingenuous and deceptive and should be ashamed of themselves. The purpose, I agree 100%. The, the purpose of this bill and what that particular and all the legislators need to understand is New York State is in a very special position and has a powerful opportunity to protect these animals and protect its millions and millions of residents and consumers in its own state by stopping the outlets that can source and sell this type of cruelty onto unsuspecting consumers in their state. The purpose is not to try to have New York regulate a commercial breeder in another state. We all know that that's just legally not how that works. Mm -hmm. the, the purpose of this bill is to harness what is within New York's power and the legislator's power to protect animals and protect consumers. And oh, by the way, getting back to the fundamental point here, support the hundreds of businesses in the state that do not participate in this inhumane, unpopular business model of sourcing from puppy mill outlets. And, and that's what these legislators really need to understand respectfully. And, and by the way, I think they are understanding it because the bill has 72 co-sponsors in the assembly in New York, Correct. 72. That's 60 Democrats and 12 Republicans. Unbelievable bipartisan support uh, on this legislation. And so those legislators understand, and I believe many more do understand, that this legislation supports all of those business outlets in the state that recognize that the responsible and more profitable business model is not selling puppy mill dogs. And, and that's just a fact. By the industry statistics, that's the fact. The right. overwhelming majority of pet retail stores refuse to sell puppies. And, and I want to I emphasize that statistic again because it's very, very important. And I started discussing this prior to the other commercial. It's a $110 billion pet industry. Now, 
What does that pet industry include? Food, supplements, pet clothing, uh, pet accessories. Uh, by the way, just last year, Americans spent almost $500 million on Halloween costumes for their pets, right? That's pretty cool. But anyway, so, so, so grooming, boarding, all of the components, the categories of the pet industry, all of those categories that are not live pet sales are the profitable ones, are the ones that see increased revenue, and are the 97% of the industry. I want to speak to this. This is really important to me because I have faced off with this this, uh, myth, if you will, that uh, pet stores are going to go out of business if they can't sell. Nonsense. It is nonsense. And, And the point that I, we were making last week and we talked about it a little bit, and I want you to reiterate what you said is that, um, a person such as myself and all of the other advocates that I know, all the other people who have had horrific experiences by buying sick puppies or puppies who passed away, all of the people who are aware of where these stores are sourcing their puppies, kittens, and rabbits from will not set foot into a pet store that sells these animals. We will not even go, I could have a, a next door neighbor who's who would bring home food for me if I asked them to. I will not support that business model. And and Brian, I think you said that you, you won't even go into the same shopping center or strip mall, which means, and I'd really like to make this point, that these pet stores, who are perpetuating animal cruelty, they're actually hurting their own business as well as potentially others. So I think that's a very valuable point. I don't think enough people are talking about that because one of the things we hear is, oh, boo-hoo, the pet stores might go go under, they might go out of business. It doesn't have to be that way. I think we need to make a distinction, Valerie, to be clear, is when I think of a pet store, I think of the overwhelming majority of them that don't sell puppies. They sell products and food and maybe they do grooming and they Mm -hmm. maybe have boarding and, you know, they're, they, they, they participate Mm -hmm. in all of the profitable areas of the pet industry that are not live pet sales. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, when you have a pet go or a pet smart that, welcomes a local rescue or works mm-hmm. with the county shelter to showcase adoptable animals, that's a win-win-win model for everybody. Yeah. The nonprofit charity gets uh, donations and gets to find homeless animals a new home. The, 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 the business gets the traffic and the support of the community because people are coming in not only to adopt, but then they're, they're utilizing all of those other products and and services in that establishment right and and so but when you have a puppy mill outlet which there's roughly what 75 or so in the state of New York when you have a puppy mill outlet that is pretty much just pressing a button shipping in a bunch of puppy mill dogs from from out of state and they put them in the window and that's pretty much their business that is an irresponsible, inhumane, unsustainable, and quite frankly, 
the outlier of of the pet industry business. Brian, I get okay. don't do that. I want to ask you a quick question. We do have to go to a break again, believe it or not. So, <clears throat> which means you're definitely coming back. Well, you're welcome to come back. You got to decide if you like us enough to come back. That's up to you. But here, here's the thing, man. Like, if it's not necessarily the most profitable part of the business, I don't want to be silly and say, well, why are these folks doing it? But I'm going to say, why are they doing it? I mean, if we were able to get, yes, obviously educate our lawmakers, our elected, but if we were able to, to get in, you know, an alliance with the merchants more so, you know, if you're saying the lion's share of the money is made from non-puppy selling, and we include rabbits and kittens in there, but non-puppy selling, well, then wouldn't the merchants be on our side? And couldn't we have, and and I can leave, we we can answer that because I I expect it to be a long answer. So we'll take a quick break. But I just, what's going on in my mind is how do we get those folks, the Petco's, the PetSmart, the, I forget the one Valerie said, and then even the local shops that I don't, I, there's a spot in my neighborhood. I went and saw the woman, what a sweet woman. We had a great conversation. There's no animals in the whole store, but she sells a ton of these like, you know, like coats and hats and mittens and gloves and all these kind of things for puppies. So I wonder if, if I'll leave that question out there. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, if we could talk about that, like, is there an alliance we can form with these merchants that they're on board for this? Because again, it is, it, the, the argument's going to be, well, you're taking away people's livelihood. You're calling BS on that. And I'm right there with you saying that's not true. It's just not true. Any so- pet store, any puppy mill outlet that's selling puppy mill dogs that goes out of business because of, it would be because they're choosing to go out of business. Right. They could be selling, would you tell me, $500 million in, in, in costumes for Halloween? Like Absolutely. guys, guys, women, people figure it out. You can pivot. We talk about that word a lot. We do have to take a break because I'm going to get fired if we don't take a break. So we'll be right back. This is Pals. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
And we're back. This is past professors. I love a show, the lightning round. All right. So Brian, a couple of things that we have on our agenda and I'll jump in as, as you're ready to, but I know you have another role play question you want to ask, but Brian, we wanted to cover uh, the difference between a responsible breeder. So I am in the market for fill in the blanks. What do I do versus going to one of these puppy mill outlets? And that, and that's important is, a, a bill like the New York Puppy Mill Pipeline bill, it doesn't only protect consumers and protect animals and, by the way, empower the overwhelming majority of businesses in the state that don't participate in this irresponsible sourcing from puppy mills. But it also, I think, helps educate consumers on a responsible and safe and humane way to obtain a pet. Now, we, of course, I think all of us in the animal welfare community, we support and encourage people to adopt and don't shop, right? You know, there's a lot of amazing animals in shelters and rescues that are looking for homes. And we would encourage and hope people uh, go and seek animals out from those sources first. And of course, there are breed-specific rescue organizations. You're looking for a Great Dane. You're looking for a Greyhound. You're looking for, you know, there are breed-specific rescues you can find on, on sites like PetFinder.com. Mm -hmm. But if a consumer ultimately wants to go to a breeder, this bill in New York would not prevent that. What a responsible breeder does is drastically different from the way that a puppy mill functions. Here's one tall tale sign that consumers need to be on the lookout for. A, a responsible breeder will allow you as the consumer to come to their property, take a tour, inspect, meet the puppy's parents, ask questions. They are just as interested in you being a good fit for that puppy as they are selling that puppy to you. And, and so, it's, it's an emphasis on quality, not quantity. It's a concern about where the puppy is going to go. It's transparency. They're, they'll never you know, try to get you to send money over the internet or <laughs> you know, say, let's meet at the rest stop on the Belt Parkway and exchange right. the puppy. That's all nonsense. So a responsible breeder functions in a, in a certain way that is responsible by the part of the animal, by the part of the consumer, and, and it's a proper business. So nothing in this legislation would prevent a consumer from going to a, to a breeder of his or her choice. And by the way, yeah. my final point on that, most breeder codes of ethics say that they should never sell to or through a pet store outlet right. because right. a responsible breeder sells directly to the consumer where well, they control it they control the whole thing right versus exactly. once because exactly. if i'm the breeder and it ends up on main street somewhere i lost control but i control the whole thing you know i, I feel like you know shout out to our friend regina mendoza who runs a shelter camp happy tales nyc and i mean i was going through the process my family and i and potentially getting one of her dogs out there and the process that she runs is is militant and i mean that with love and respect regina but it's like legit like 
do you, are you a fit for these dogs? And it sounds right. like the same thing. Because I know Val has. Well, so the difference is also money. Okay. You can, anyone can walk into a pet store and if you have a credit card, you can buy five puppies and you can make their day and spend $25,000. And that's all they care about. They don't care about if you own your own home, if you own or rent. They don't care about if your lease says that you shouldn't have a dog. They don't care if you have a fenced in yard. They don't care if you have children. They don't ask you if you have allergies. They don't care where the dog goes. They just care that they're making a sale. So that's an important distinction. And it's the opposite with a reputable breeder. They will never put one of their puppies in the stores because they care what happens to their animals. They care a lot. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking about how it took me like, hours of interviewing different people just to find the right person to scoop our litter when we were away like I, you know i mean it's i can't imagine just getting rid of puppies but was there a lot of was there a lot of people that wanted that gig is that what yeah there's pet sitting pet sitting is part of the pet industry 100 percent. and yeah. at you know walking you know dog walking whatever but um okay so my next role play is this and we can make it quick obviously but so the lobbyists are also, uh, you know, spewing this information, uh, which I believe is misinformation to legislators who are on the fence. They're saying things like, not only are you going to put small businesses out of business, but you know, their hardworking employees are going to become unemployed. What would you say to that, Brian? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have friends and family who have worked and do work in retail establishments. Um, there are there are many many jobs out there, so uh, they'll they'd probably be working in better conditions and be getting paid more in a different environment uh, than you know selling uh, puppy mill puppies in a puppy mill outlet in New York State. So um, I, I I think that's another fear tactic, uh, another deception. Mm -hmm. that uh, the puppy mill lobbyists uh, try to scare legislators into believing mm -hmm. when, you know, we know the facts, the facts are the facts. And the facts, fact of the matter is that this legislation empowers the pet businesses, the overwhelming majority that do not sell puppies. It empowers consumers to understand what is a responsible breeder? What's a good way to get a pet? And by the way, there are a lot of responsible breeders in the state of New York that are being undercut by the puppy mill outlet, retail outlets, who ship in dogs from you know Iowa and Arkansas and all these other puppy mills out in the Midwest, and then they get marked up and unsuspecting consumers walk in. And then some of these pet stores around the country they're using highly deceptive financing schemes. Oh, I know. To sell you these dogs at dogs. at a hundred percent interest, one hundred sixty-eight percent interest. There's no responsible breeder that is, you know, using a, a predatory financing scheme to sell th their puppies. I mean, this is if so, you have to finance a, a pet, then how are you going to pay for its vet care anyway, and and afford the food? Well, I tell you, you certainly can't afford that when you're paying one hundred sixty eight percent interest, which ends yeah. up being three, four times the cost of that dog. By the and then by if the they default, are they are they repossessing the animals? I mean, the whole thing is absurd. But I want to say this really quickly back to the point about the the people losing jobs. Okay, not only is it deceptive to to state that, but here's the another fact. 
we are in what's called the great resignation and literally every industry and most employer their number one complaint is that they need to hire and they can't find the right people they can't they can't hire so they can't find people who want to work so guess what if somebody down the block on a retail level closed that those employees could easily walk in to other retail establishments or other vocations and easily find work. So I don't want to hear it anymore. It's crap. I'm so tired of the lobbyists that we never get a chance to face off with. Thank you for being like, you know, this role player with me today. But um, I just want to mention this. I know we have to wrap it up, but the most important thing that everyone can do is listening right now is to call their legislatures and ask them to support this bill if they haven't already. That's it. Let's. So we do have to leave there. The bill is A four two eight three. It Rosenthal, right? Lindy Rosenthal, right? Yep. Right. So, so we will. And look, you can reach out to us, and we will help you navigate that. We just did a quick call night last night. We had uh, about a dozen and a half folks making calls right there live on the spot. So reach out to us. Um, and look, uh, shout out to Marilyn. Marilyn's checking in, just saying her frustration on Facebook. Hey, Marilyn, I, there's one last thing I got to say, and then we got to leave it here because we are just about overdue. Thank you so the much, Brian. Suffolk County Bar Association is having an animal law conference. Brian shared that with me. I will share that some way, shape, or form. I'll get it out on uh, on Facebook for everybody. We'll make sure you can check that out and always just get in touch with us. Um, and real I, quick, Tommy. Yeah, guys. Long Island, Suffolk, and Nassau counties are hotbeds for these puppy mill retail outlets. And, and many of them have sourced from some of the most horrific, horrible hundred puppy mills. So, so I, I really hope your listenership on Long Island really takes this to heart and doesn't go to these pet stores and advocates with their legislators to pass a 42 we're, we're gonna you know brian we're gonna do another something we're, we'll do is maybe a facebook live or something where we can dive more into that on a local basis because we're we are out of time but this is critical and this is my hometown so we got to talk about it i will leave you with this the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated and that's our friend gandhi that left us with that hey gandhi make it a great day everybody brian brian had just real quick i should have said this already aldf.org that's how they track you down right yep and if you're in new york you can go to our uh, new york specific page sign up for alerts we actually just sent one out uh, a couple weeks ago on this bill in new york for action so stay and stay involved and stay informed thank you brian thank you valerie we gotta go everybody make it a great day see you later thank you business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 